What's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't no so, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Marlins make history on the road and come back 10 games above 500. The U.S. Open is won by Wyndham Clark as he outlasts Rory McIlroy. And we got the heat in Rumorville, and we're going to bring it to you next. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. What's up, so-so? What's going on, my boy? I'm good, bro. I was having fun doing the uh, the radio personality voices before. We always do <laughs> no, that. you killed it. You we always do it. that before messing around. Right, man. but today was much better than we, a lot of we times. We had a pretty good, pretty good make-believe situation there with yeah, callers was and everything. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was uh, pretty cool. What's going on? Not much, man. Just, uh, you know, exhausted from... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Before we keep going, dog, I want you to hit the horns for yourself, dog, celebrating your birthday this past <laughs> weekend. Oh. Keep joining the older people club like myself, homie. Yes, sir. Yeah, the way. year older and a year wiser. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, man, it was good. Uh, celebrated the birthday, low key Saturday. A few peoples, you know, hung right. out, try to get around the weather. We did, we right. managed to. Uh, but yeah, nothing too crazy. Nothing dog. too crazy. It's just low key. Yes, sir. I know what you're talking about. I finally yeah. got to play Crandon, um, and it was a really nice course, man. Um, the man- management there is kind of iffy, right? But the course itself is pretty tough t- to play, obviously, and uh, very challenging. It's a it's a tough course, dog. Tough course, but yes, as but far a nice as looking course. It's a Miami Dade County course, and yeah. they all are the worst. Our county employees are the worst, bro. Yeah, it's rough out there when it comes to those golf courses. Yeah, though. yeah it is. But the course itself is very very nice. You know, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad uh, I got K- to I mean, bro, you're talking Shout about that course. Any anytime you go there, you know, in peak season, it's over a hundred. Dollars, one hundred fifty bucks, yeah, to play there. Two hundred dollars sometimes, I think. So you know, it's a, it can be a really, really nice course if it's in good condition. Yeah, on yeah. a you know a nice day. If it's raining out there, you're Oof. dealing with a yeah, hundred degree weather, which has been super hot well, lately. Those mangroves are a fucking cesspool for mosquitoes. Yep, like, yep. And gotta then, play that course with pants. <laughs> did you deal with the raccoons? Yes, but not as much. There was a lot more iguanas that day. Okay, because there's like on whole like. 14 or something like that 15 when you're driving the cart mm-hmm. like you pull up to the, the green and then the cart tells you it's like be careful with your belongings and the raccoons and then yeah, you look no, around there's raccoons no that are coming they come in your cart well, grab whatever snacks you might have or anything, anything they think is a snack they feel comfortable yeah they're comfortable too comfortable there. way too comfortable but that's another story for another time right yeah um you know what else is comfortable what else is comfortable being 10 games above 500 Oof. and and when you say it like that with the miami martins bro it means a lot. It means uh, a lot. It has a lot of weight behind that because, first of all, it's the second time in franchise history that they find themselves 10 games above 500, right? And for for a team that has a lot of history in its short-lived, you know, tenure as the Miami, Florida Marlins, right? Mm-hmm. Accomplishing something like this with a limited payroll, limited amount of fan support, limited amount of budget to go and get players and really having to rely on building up the system through the smart deals, cheap deals, going into the uh, AAA and AA minor leagues to the system and, and pulling the best that you can or trading for the best prospects that you can. And then having it all work its way into something like this 
it's crazy for the Marlins to find themselves where they're at. And right now, they're still second in the NL East, right, at 41 and 31. But guess what? They're leading the wild card chase. Yeah. And that's that's above a bunch of impressive baseball teams that, that are doing big things, right? We're yeah, talking yeah. about... Um, Phillies, you're talking about... Um, L.A. Or who's who's in first right now? The the Braves. So we're we're ahead of everybody else but the Braves. Let's just put it that way. Correct. You know, San Francisco, uh, L.A., Philly, Cincinnati, you mentioned. Uh, we didn't mention teams that are probably more accustomed to making playoff runs than the Marlins are, right? Yeah, that's at least in, in the, the recent, you know, past. No, even in the last 15 years where it's been a struggle for the Marlins to make a, a playoff appearance, right? The one time doing so in the short season with COVID and shit. During the pandemic, that's right. Right. And now the Marlins are looking at one of the, like one of those teams that are not necessarily playing above their respected margins, but they're a team that's really looked at as a team that has a lot of talent with good pitching, able pitching, and timely hitting. And those are things that you need to have in order to make a playoff run. And the Marlins are looking like they're going to make a playoff run, brother. Not just that, not all those, not just all those elements, but then being able to put all those elements together on the road. Yes, on the road, bro. And when you start off thinking about who they played, yeah, they played the White Sox, they played the Mariners, and they also played the Nationals. Not necessarily your who's who of baseball right now. But you still have to go on the road and win and, and be away from home because it's not like they came back or or anything like that. They were on the road for a while. I think it was 21 days. Yeah. And to go out there and win two out of the three series, right? Put a, a go into one of them, go into the beginning of the road trip against the White Sox with a winning streak, right? Take two of three against them um, and get some really good saves and performance from the bullpen, including AJ Puck. That guy's been a great closer for us uh, this year, which is something that we, you and I had talked about that they've lacked in years before, right? Where they don't have necessarily a guy who could come in and lock it down after a good Lazardo performance, a Sandy performance, uh, Pablo Lopez when he was here, right? And he was pitching well for us. It was kind of tough to get those wins, which we left a lot out there. And now with AJ Pug being a, uh, such a great closer for us, having a great ERA and having just a great season overall where he's only given up one blown save just shows you that if you do put pieces together on this baseball team, it can win games for you. And, you know, the Martins came back after, again, timely hitting where you get two home runs in the eighth inning to get to make it a two-run game. And then you score another home run and then you know another double by Brian De La Cruz. And that guy had been struggling too, still kind of struggling, but he's a guy who was like one for 20 in his last 20 at-bats before that. So it was good to see yeah, him I mean, get on a roll. Took him a little while to get, you know, going acclimated in the season, right? So that happens to some guys that got that rust, that off-season rust they got to shake off. And that's kind of what I, I would think, you know, having a De La Cruz because he, he's been he's been historically good for us. Yeah, and even um, John Segura, he's been good for us recently, yeah. right? Um, hit a home run that game, but unfortunately he's on the 10-day DL right now, mm. or I.O. He'll be back soon. And then, you know, you lose the next two games to, to Seattle after winning the series against the White Sox, and it was bad because we got outscored, you know, and it was bad, 17-4 yeah. in those in those two games. Terrible uh, differential. First two games of the season, uh, the series. Um, and it sucked because it was Lazardo and Edwards that got rocked. Uh, Lazardo has been kind of... On a rough patch, right, where he's been the on the bad side of a bad pitching performance, and he'll take the loss and take a no, instead of getting a no decision. 
but he's still one of those guys that we have to rely on, right? In in spite of Sandy not pitching that well, right? Which we can get to Sandy later. But as as a whole, we we know that the Marlins are a team that can create runs and manufacture runs. They don't necessarily depend on the log ball. Granted, they're getting 20 home runs from Jorge Soler. That's huge because we had talked about that before the season. Who's going to be the guy who can guarantee 20 home runs easily this year? We didn't pick um, Soler to be that guy. We had doubts about him. Mm. So with them rebounding and winning the last game of the series, it was a great sign for the Fish to see them, A, stop a losing streak. And keep the momentum going by getting a win and, and getting out of that city with something positive. Right, to head into the next series. But more importantly, the, the game itself was a phenomenal game. You got uh, Yuri Perez, a 20-year-old on the mound. I think he had yeah. six strikeouts that night. Yes, sir. Um, you know, we ended up winning the game, even though it was a, uh, you know, a nail-biter at the end because they had the bases loaded and they, yep. they had a chance for you know almost almost a grand slam on us. Not on Yuri because it was already late in the game, so he right. was already out, but almost a grand slam, and, and we then, just robbed him. Oof, and which was, was wild. Sanchez? I robbed him. I think it was De La Cruz. He went up and got the jump. No, it was Jesus Sanchez. Sanchez. It was. It was. It was. Snatched that shit, bro. Yeah, Yeah, it was disgusting. Yeah, and you saved the grand slam and the win, like because we were. I think we were up four or two. I think that game four one or something. It would have scored at least two runs, four runs, and been up two runs. Yeah, so Yuri improves to four and one on the season, one point eight ERA. I mean, only giving up one run in the in the last four starts with twenty strikeouts. So kid is nasty. He's he's killing it at twenty years old, bro. Kid's nails killing it, and you. You know what? He hasn't gone more than six innings yet, right? But that's because I feel like they're still holding him back in that regard to say, sure. listen, you're doing a great job. That should be enough for us to go another three innings and get the win. Okay, give us something to go off of. Right. You know, where we don't have to climb out of a hole. You're getting, you were up. Right. And more importantly, he looks comfortable when he's on the mound. And the guys behind him, they feel very confident in being on the mound because they're getting a lot of low scoring games when he's winning. These games, right? And the Marlins are 24 and 10 uh, in one or two run games this year. Last time that happened was 1954 at this point, right? In the team. And then that team ended up going to the World Series, which was the Cleveland blank. In 1954. The Indians? Yeah, those guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, damn, that's dope, though. Um, right? But yeah, man, we, we like you said, something positive to walk out of that series after losing two back-to-back. Boom, we get a dub. It's like, all right, we know how to win. We remember how to do this. Carry that into the next series, right? And go out there and sweep the Nationals. Clean sweep, right? Um, and we have to shout out again, the bullpen has been amazing, dog. Andrew Nardi. That's the difference this year right now. Absolutely. So far, a lot of baseball left. But no, you, you said it already. The, the you know puck and, and gang, we're closing out games that that last year and the year prior we were not closing out. No, nope. giving up runs and then not being able to put up runs on our end to the team to rally. We're not that kind of team. Nope. We're gonna put up. We got we got to play smart baseball here, and we got to have a solid pitching core. And so far, closers are doing their job. They're doing a great job, man, and they're going out there and being effective. Where. Again, maybe the starting pitcher doesn't get the win, but he's keeping the game close. It's yeah. you know, it's not a blowout. Yes, right. It's happened maybe once here and there. Series. It's baseball twice. No, look, it happened twice against Seattle, seventeen to four. That's a big disparity, right? Sure. Then you get outscored. Sure. So the pitchers gave up a lot of runs there, right? As a as a unit. But then you get the bounce back, and the guys like uh, Andrew Nardi step up. He has four wins on the season, including two saves, two point two. ERA, uh, 39 strikeouts. He's only given up nine runs this season. This is a guy who's already seen around 40 innings 
so far. That means he's active. He's able to go long stretches and get innings, get wins, you know. This is a dude who's been able to solidify the bullpen, which allows you to get to a guy like A.J. Puck who can close down a game, one, two, three, and then pack it up and just yeah. go. Where you don't need to stretch guys like that that don't have three, four innings to close out. They just need to be – they can only be out there one yeah. inning. That's it. You're just you, – that's all you need. Ninth, shutting them out, go home. Yeah. You know, we don't need to go into extra innings or, or let them come back with a grand slam or none of that shit. How many times have we seen – have we let that up recently? And oh, we, a bunch. You know, not Historically. recently. Not this year. Historically. Historically. But, you know, now that this team is playing with a little bit more panache, dude. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're getting consistent pitching, which we didn't get last year. And hitting. Yes, I mean, but not so I much. Say, let's I, say the the hitting the doesn't pitching, come. I would say the pitching is more consistent. Yes, right. The pitching is more consistent because even a guy like Braxton Garrett, who I've mentioned on your uh, so so three things to watch. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you guys are following that on Instagram. Um, I've mentioned him being on the mound because when he pitches, the Marlins have a good shot. They really do. You know, the Marlins are six and one in his last seven starts. Uh, he's two and zero with a two point. One three ERA and forty nine strikeouts in those thirty two innings. Um, got a, another win, going six innings, eight strikeouts. Like this dude is a guy who the Marlins weren't really necessarily counting on, but was like, we're willing to give you the opportunity to come out here and pitch for us. And he's been effective ever since he's been on the mound for us. A great. I don't want to say anchor, but like if you're talking about your fourth and fifth starter, third, fourth, fifth starter being able to perform like that, you, you know you got a really good bullpen slash starting lineup that you can rely on game in, game out to get you victories. And that's the difference with the Marlins. That's how they've been able to get 10 games above 500, dog, which is amazing, bro. Mm. First time we haven't done that in 12 years, bro. That's wild. 2011. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. So there's 162 games in a season. Yeah. 81 games is the halfway point. Right. We're sitting at 72. Yep. Nine games below, uh, you know, the, the halfway mark, right? Right. So we're 10 games over 500. If we were to, hypothetically speaking, I'm not trying to put this on the team, but if we were to lose out the next nine games, we'd still be a game above 500. Yeah. And and uh, through the halfway point in the season. Correct. I don't, I don't remember the, the Marlins really being, you know, that competitive. Usually we're in the, the fourth, fifth spot, usually where, we're, where, where we've sat in, in our division, which is well under 500 at that point in the season. Correct. But the difference, like you said, Joel, is how consistent both sides have of the ball have been performing. Yeah. Right? We're not a team that gives up a lot of errors. Uh, we're not a team that consistently gets outscored in games. So we know that there is a good sense of stats, but in the in the way of the foundation explaining why the things on the field are happening or how we're generating the wins, right? Are you trying to say we're fundamentally sound? Yeah, to a big extent, which is a lot to say because, like I said, to be able to do it on both sides, right, on offense and defense or, you know, hitting and pitching, is something that we've never seen the Martins been able to achieve at, at any really long stretches of the season. This is the first season where we've seen it both be consistent, not three weeks of consistent pitching and then three weeks of consistent hitting. Yeah. No, it's been three consecutive weeks of both, which, again, puts you in a position where you can compete for a wild card spot, compete for a division or at least make it close. For these guys to be second in a division with a team like the Mets that spent how many billions of dollars this year? 
a team like the Phillies who have a way much lower uh, loaded squad than we do. That's that's a lot. Knowing that this team really came from low budget, had a lot of changes in the GM and the management of this team. They made some some moves that have seemed to work out immediately for the Marlins. Some of the guys performing to their higher level might be because of how good the team is hitting consistently. You know, you're not depending on just one guy. Um, as far as hits, you got over what? Four guys with over 50 hits on the season. Talk to me about batting kind of, averages. Kind of, kind of spread out, right? Yeah. I know how that is. He's leading the way. He's still leading the way. He's at 388 at this point in the season. <laughs> bro, but he's one of those guys with ni- bro, 97 hits on the season. That's wild. You know, 15 doubles. Love that number. 33 mm-hmm. RBIs, 120 total bases. A guy who's actively on the field. And... When you think about that, the total bases, you're like, man, it sounds like a lot. It's not. Solar, Solar has him beat because he's hit a couple of home runs, 136. But Are, Are is at 120. And then you got Brian De La Cruz at 108. Garrett Cooper, 75. Yuri, 67. Guys who are getting on base and we're able to push up and, and make things happen. We're one of those teams who can steal bases consistently. Consistently. And we have guys who can put the ball into play, find gaps, and hit. Because we have over three guys right now that are hitting above uh, 300. You know? Or close to 300, excuse me. Jesus Sanchez at 270 and Brian De La Cruz at 269. Consistently. It's not like we're just depending on one guy to have a monster season, batting 350 with 26 home runs and 30 right, home runs. Which is what we had and we've had prior to this, you know. We Hell had yeah. a couple of big bats, you know, but maybe if that, you know, a couple of guys that can, you know, slug and nothing else really around it, you know, to to pick up the slack when those guys were off. Right. Now we have a little bit better, you know, unit. We're still missing people pieces, frankly. Absolutely. <clears throat> we can still use a couple, you know, a couple of pieces there, you know, potentially down the road, but We've built a nice core. Yeah, a very nice core. Yeah, and, and this and, is without um, Sandy balling, right? Because right. Sandy's been he's been off. He's been off. Last couple of starts has gotten better, but just recently against Washington in that game that we came back six to five, he gave up ten hits in five run in five innings of work. It's a lot, you know. Did you mention um, Jacob Maya? No, not yet. You can bring it up. No, no, go for it. I yeah, just wanted ahead, to man. make sure. No, go ahead, no, man. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Jacob Amaya got called up against that last game against the Washington, Washington Nationals on Sunday, Father's Day. Uh, pretty cool. He had his dad and his family there, obviously. And, uh, yeah, got called up to start and got an RBI in his first major league at bat, though. Pretty cool, though. Dog, how Even though it was you, a sack hit, but still counts. I don't care. How would you feel, bro? Oh, you're out there. Not. You make your debut. Whatever sport, dog. Your old boy's in the crowd watching you. The only reason why he didn't cry is because he probably couldn't feel his body. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Enough. That heart must have been pumping so hard. He must have been on another level. That uh, must be you, an you intense know? feeling, dog. And he... It still did well in that game. Had another sack fly. Was able to get on base. Um, became the second player in Marlins history to record a hit, a run, and an RBI, and a stolen base in his first career game. Who was uh, the other? Genar Encarnacion. He did it also on Father's Day, which is wild. Wow. Yeah, both of those guys. There's something about Father's Day, dog. Marlins got to put on more debuts on Marlins. It's, on, it's on the Father's pappies, Day. dog. It's the, the pappies. Paps. It's the paps. But yeah, man, the, you, Joel, we're talking about at 41 and 31, bro. This is the second best start in Martin's history, dog. 
72 games. Not through a, 72 games. Not enough people are talking about it. No, because the 97 Martins were 43 and 29. Mm. Right there. Right there. We know what happened there, but I'm not saying this team is going to win the World Series. No, the, the expectation for this team is, I, I think, is playoffs. I don't even think it's that, Joel. I think it's right now. season, bro. Bro, I think right now, dog, what you would love to see, yes, the playoffs should be the goal, right? As, in for, the them. Wild for them. For them. No, 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 not like, for us. You know what I mean? No, the playoffs should be the goal for them. But for us as fans, what I want to see is consistency throughout the year. Let's say they miss out in the wild card by any happenstance. Two other teams get even harder. They don't lose, whatever. And they miss out on the playoffs by half a game. And they're there until the last day. That means that we had an amazing Marlins season, mm. right? Just short, but coming from a team with zero expectations, really nobody thinking that this team was going to be able to compete like it's competing right now. Come on, man. Nah, I disagree. I think you have guys that, you know, have been following the Marlins like us mm-hmm. and been seeing the moves and hoping that the, the Jeter move was going to bring something positive for us. And really, it didn't, it didn't really hurt us and it didn't really help us. You know what I mean? It just kind of happened to us. And it was like, all right, whatever. Now we have this team, you know, a couple pieces we're building. We go and grab this guy. We sign that guy. We trade away this guy, you know, <laughs> do do a couple things, you know, over the last two, three years after a, a season, you know, in the pandemic where right. we do make it to the postseason, but it gets swept under the rug because it's a pandemic postseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then you got the other group of people that gave, you know, the Marlins a chance back in 97 and back in 03. And then they did it again in 2015, 2016. And then the Marlins just let everybody down every single time and just sold everybody that they loved away. Yeah. And there's people that I have conversations with, man, that are like, ah, I'm over the Marlins. Like, the Marlins are nothing. Like, I'll never be back on board with the Marlins, right? right. And that, that's why I disagree to an extent with your point because it's like for, for the guys that are – Hard done with the Marlins, right? That I've picked other places that are not here as like that's my team, Yankees, Phillies, Mets, you name it, okay? Because we want to try to get those guys back on board, or maybe their kids down the road, you know, for being here from Miami, and then for the guys that have been following it, that we know that this team has been slowly building up. I definitely think the expectation here is postseason, man. You got to be in the hunt. You got to be in the mix for the hunt, bro. If 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 you miss the postseason, like you still battle, but you miss like the like the the chase like by two three games, it sucks. It's not. I'm I'm not that pleased with that. You but, know what I mean? But as a consumer, we should be dog because of the because of the fact that again we came into the season with zero expectations for this Martin's team. Zero expectations. What did we say? Make it interesting. Not go out there and win a bunch of games. Make it interesting, dog. Make me want to fucking flip the channel yeah. on, a, on a Wednesday night and be like, ah, let me see how this thing looks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of fans lost touch with that because they will skip right through that. Of course. Now they're watching the games, checking in on the games. So those guys are slowly yeah. keeping back. The, that playoff chase is going to be possible if the Marlins keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. We have to expect that other to teams are going to get better, right? Other teams yeah. that are behind us are going to get better. Of course. We know that, it's right? It's inevitable. It's inevitable. But when you're talking about still keeping pace with San Francisco, still keeping pace with the Dodgers, two big loaded franchises, right? A lot of money. Big, a lot of money, a lot of history behind them. And the Marlins are in the hunt with them. Yeah, I feel really good about that, you know, that horse in the race. 
Especially as it gets down to the end of the season. But we got to stay consistent like we're doing right now. You have to stay consistent. The other thing is this South Florida culture that we've bred of, you know, this is a winning culture. Panthers. Oof. He. Let's go. Dolphins. Let's go. All in the postseason. Let's go. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's, those are big shoes to fill when nobody else is, is on. When the lights are on, just you and your, your game and, you know, your stadium. True. You got, you got, you got some big shoes to fill right now. True. But here's what I would say in defense of the Marlins, right? Before we start to get like too deep into them. Um, because they have a great homestand coming up and I, and I, I want to get to that. With the Marlins, the one thing that they don't have that the rest of the others franchises have is they don't have that marquee player that they went and got. Jazz showed up, and he is our guy. Because when he's on, man, we're a much better team. So we're above 500, 10 games above 500, and Jazz hasn't even played for over about a month, I think. Wild. So that's very wild. Now we're going to add that element to this lineup. There's a lot of promise for it. We just got to be able to use that guy to keep the pace. And if we keep the pace and keep doing things, going five out of our last seven series, winning them, that's the type of stuff that we need to continue to do. And that's what it's all about. Continue to win series. It's going to happen. That's how you get more winning streaks than losing streaks. That's a fact. Um, and, and and speaking about, you know, continuing the winning streaks, got a good homestand and a good test against the Toronto Blue Jays. This is a team that is... Um, in the hunt for the wild card themselves, they're 39 and 34 on the season. A very high powered offense. They come with big bats, but a team that we can beat at home and should feel comfortable about the matchups. Um, you know, Alcantara is going to be closing out the series on Wednesday night. So make sure to look out for that. Series, series starts tonight. By the time you hear this, the Martins would have at least played this game. And then we got another one tonight where, um, Yuri Perez is going to be pitching, so make sure it'll be watching. Tomorrow is going to be on Sports with So-So's Three Things to Watch. Oh, show, because that kid is nasty. Oh, yeah, dude. Worth the watch. And then we got a series against Philadelphia. Uh, Pirates. The Pirates. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. This weekend, if you ain't got no plans this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back games, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. Go check out the fish winning. Yeah, bro. A very win- winnable series. A team that's on the 500 right now. We should be able to beat them. Let's go. Two back-to-back home series wins. That's what I'm looking forward to, dog. Not like little Marlene. Look at that, dog. Featured first on Sports with So-So, dog. Sheesh. That's how you know you're coming up in the world, Yeah, you're dog. coming up in the world when you come Marlins, out first, dog. if you're listening, and we know that you are, <laughs> sign your boys, dog. Just yeah, let us uh, sh- lend us a little production dollar. We'll take a seat in the 400s. Trust me. You know? We'll take a seat up there, dog. Trust me. Um, yeah, Joel. I, you know, we talked about golf earlier. Um, you didn't get a chance to play this weekend, but I know you were locked in to the 123rd U.S. Open at the L.A. Country Club, which just so happens to be on your shirt. Oh, yeah. It's a weird coincidence. Great polo. Yeah. It's funny. So I, I wore this polo on like Thursday or Friday of the tournament. I, I took a picture, posted it on uh, <laughs> yeah. Miami Golf Rose. Uh, Go follow him right now. And uh, one of my homies hit me up. He was like, yo, dog, if you're out there, bro, get me some merch. And I'm like, bro, I'm in Miami. I'm in Hialeah right now, dog. What are you talking about? You Here's know? the address, I'm dog. Like, I just got this in my short par four boxes, you know. Yeah, gonna hook me up with some shit this year. Um, yeah, the U.S. Open um, at the L.A. Country Club, first time hosted there. Yes, sir. Um, it was a interesting tournament to say the least, bro. You know, a lot of people were talking about how the players were reacting to the course itself. Um, just found out uh, that weekend that a lot of the guys hadn't ever played there 
at all because yeah, it's, it's such so a privy, so prestigious of a place. Such a private club, two hundred fucking fifty thousand dollars to become a member. You gotta wear a sports jacket after six. No shorts ever. It's like what in the middle? Of LA? Can't use your phone anywhere except okay. in the um, like the phone booth in the locker room or in your car. Um, Weird. What else? There's a, something like, about the shoes. You can't. You got no cleats. No, not cleats. You can't change um, in the parking lot. Something. Oh like yeah, that. you can't change your shoes. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't walk in like how we do in sandals and put your right. your, your shoes on in the cart. Can't do that. But it's the the land. The land where it's actually built in is worth like eight billion dollars. Wild. Wild. Primo got, spot in LA. Yeah, Primo ridiculous. Spot. But they got grandfathered in to like some law that happened in the 70s or 80s where like they don't have to pay the, the taxes. property taxes on that value. Yeah, yeah dog. So they're, they're chilling. But what do you think about the course itself, man? Because we saw, you know, that it one putt with Sergeant, right? Uh, Sergeant had that one weird ass putt where the cup was kind of up. Sure. Popped right back out. And he was looking at it weird. And then they went out to proceed to fix it. And then we heard multiple golfers complain about the course itself. And it, again, it was weird because it was a lot of those guys first time being out there. And for them to say how shitty it was, pardon my French, not really, but yeah, they didn't really enjoy the course. And I wonder if you think it had a huge effect on the crowd. I think it sucked. Like I was saying, I think it sucked for like the uh, being us open you know the crowds are part of what make it you know what i mean the Ryder cup you know yeah. the crowds out there the energy from the crowd you know the gallery just mad massive crowds of people out there just cheering people on you hear the ooh, the, ah, the you know the the roars whenever something <laughs> good happens yeah people look over the shoulder look at the leaderboard you know like you see guys back off because the big roar goes off yeah dog and you know that happens yeah. there but it happens there because that's such a tight golf course. I mean, you're talking about LA is not a whole lot of real estate there. Bingo. Everything's kind of tight together, you know, the way that it plays out. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's a par 70 golf course where most golf courses are par 72 and that's for a reason, you know, they don't have enough enough room there. Yeah. Um, but I think it sucked and from that perspective, you know, they, they also only sold a certain amount of tickets and then some of those tickets were only allowed through, for, through like some deal. So like it's it was very high end, like, you know, not open access to everybody. Yeah. Man. Not a whole lot of people there in the crowd but i mean it's a it's a great product you had the best players in the world playing there um you had some really good storylines you know opening day you know two people go on and shoot eight under well ricky fowler goes on and shoots eight under and then 20 minutes later xander shoffley says hold my beer and and shoots uh, also a 62 that day um and then they have what they're like eight strokes up on on the rest of the the tournament there was a couple guys that were like three four under after that first day i think like dj was one of those guys and all that Mm -hmm. um but ricky ricky was up there Pretty much the whole weekend going into, you know, even Sunday. Um, he had a hell of a weekend, man. Yeah, you know, great weekend. He played great on on Thursday, the opening round, and then Saturday and Sunday he played championship golf, you know, what he needed to do to kind of stay relevant. Bogeyed the, the 18th hole yep. on Saturday, and then Sunday, you know, he kind of fell apart on Sunday. Yeah, he kind of came apart, shot a 75, and missed a lot, man. He was finding the rough spot of the bunker. There was like twice where he was on the upper lip of those bunkers on like 9 and 16, and it was just hard for him to get any type of momentum going. And también, you know, playing with Wyndham Clark, who ended up winning the tournament, and that dude was out, out there making shots, yeah. uh, getting out of trouble, uh, making big putts to save par, where Ricky's like putting for bogey, he's 
disappointing for par. You know what I mean? Well, like, Ricky was way just more off, confident dog. the first couple of days with his putter, man. The way that he was rolling the rock. It's Sunday, he looked so tentative, you know. And I don't know if that that was, you know, a result of the course. Obviously, a USGAA is probably on Thursday after those two sixty twos is probably going all right. We're we're pulling out the big guns here, right? We're gonna make this the hardest possible. You know what I mean? And maybe that had to do with it, but yeah, like you said, Wyndham Clark was able to maintain that. You know, shoot par golf. I think he ended up like one or two under mm-hmm. for the day. Um, you know, which is really really good. You know, to to play some of the hardest holes. You know, too in that tournament were the final stretch, and I think for the week, you know, Wyndham Clark had played them two under going into that, and Ricky Ricky was already out, way out of it, but Rory, who was a, the other guy that was in it with wow. him, you know, like a back he had played those same last three holes at, at even par makes a big difference right there you know yep. and um yeah Wyndham Clark man hell of a win hell of a win. that shit out man and and you mentioned Wyndham's ability to putt that was the difference this weekend dog did I mention that or did you mention that no you did I did yeah you said that he he made some clutch putts ah, I was saying that about Ricky earlier on in the week no and and about Wyndham too yeah yeah but the point being that him, his putt making ability was the difference because when you and I had talked about it, we were wondering like what type of score would it take to win the tournament, right? Oh yeah, totally and, exceeded my and expectations. Then, boom, blew up in me, and I'm thinking, watching this, like fuck, these guys are killing it. You have five guys finish over minus five, over minus five for the entire tournament, and you mentioned Rory. Pretty consistent golf, shot of 65, 67, 69, 70. So definitely in, in a spot where he could have won that tournament. And all he needed was Wyndham to make one little mistake. Not even, man. Rory also needed a couple of putts to drop. You yes. talk about putting being the difference. Yes. He was in some predicaments, bro, where he had some 25, 30 foot putts and barely missing them, dog. Like just kind of raising, grazing the edge like a bunch of times. It's like, man, if you would have had just one or two of those drop, I'm not the biggest Rory guy, yeah. but shit, nine-year drought, man, from a major championship shit. after you won four in your first 25 major starts. It's like, God, man, when's that next one coming for the kid? Because he's one of the best in the world, if not the best. When he's when he's playing at at the, at his best, nobody beats Rory, dog. Yeah. And it sucks, man. He's, he's, he's right, right there, there, but Wyndham Clark, he's a, a journeyman of his own. 29 years old, been on the tour for a while. He's kind of had some ups and downs. You heard it on the broadcast. If you didn't hear on the broadcast, his uh, he lost his mom when he was 19. Yeah. Um, to I think cancer or you know something you know, medically related, whatnot. Um, and uh, he kind of struggled in college, kind of going through the, the motions of losing your you know a parent um, and everything that comes with that, and bounced around colleges and stuff. Ended up coming uh, his senior year to I forget where, but that he says he attributes the coach there being the one that turned around his you know his golf game and his life and all that stuff and he's been grinding on the pga tour for the last you know six years or so you know mini tours and all that and then on the tour itself uh he's placed in some big tournaments but never been able to win got his first pga tour win at the wells fargo just six weeks ago and then now won his first major championship just like who do you know like who do you mean rory won the same way um the his first one being the wells fargo and then the second one being the u.s open yep yeah Crazy, right? And yeah, then he's in second cool. place for this for this tournament, and such a cool moment for Wyndham because he played very consistent golf, man. Like you said, he shot yeah. even for the day, got out of trouble a bunch, uh, made big putts while other guys were missing big putts. And two guys we definitely have to give a shout out to: um, Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler. 
Those guys were balling on Sunday. You, you know, those guys were balling on Sunday. And Tommy Fleetwood had a great day on Sunday, Tommy, too. Tommy, 67. he shot a 63. 67 no. on Sunday. No, you're right, a 63. Yeah, Tommy shot a 63 on Sunday. Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, these boys, if that guy can figure out, man, uh, he needs just a PGA Tour win, not even a major, bro. But if it could be a major and a, and a PGA Tour win at the same time, that'd be great for Tommy, man, because he's been right there. He just recently lost, like, two weeks ago. I think mm-hmm. the week before, right before. Um, so... That that that'd be a nice guy to see win, but uh, a couple guys that struggled. There was one guy that struggled. Didn't make the cut. Justin Thomas. God. I think he shot like an eighty-one. I'm done. Something like that. that. Guy in I, dark saw, horses, dog. I saw a meme that was like uh, both two guys have shot eighty-one in in uh, L.A. or wearing a Kobe jersey or something like that. Yeah, it dog. was Kobe and Justin and, Thomas. Dog, rough, bro. I, and you hope he has the skills. Obviously, dog. This guy was a top ten golfer. No, he's still up there, dog. He's uh, just going through a funk. He's right going now. through it, dog. Obviously, because he back. wasn't even close, man. At least my other my other pick, John Rom, you know, stepped up and made a hell of a run. Sunday, he shot a sixty five, I think. Yeah, ended like up that. tied for tenth. Yeah, a little backdoor top ten, not bad. Not bad, right? For for a guy who couldn't find consistent uh, consistency with the putter, yeah. I, I saw him miss a bunch of times when they were showing him, and I was like, damn, dog. Which wasn't the case at the Masters just a couple months ago, dog. All right. So that's it, when you text me, you're like, yo, why are these, why are these, are these guys missing missing? putts? I'm like, how, dog? How are these guys doing it? And then I started to wonder, is it the course? Because a lot of guys that's were complaining it. about the course. And I was some guys just didn't like the way they fit their eye, but I, you know we don't know about like the condition itself out there, like how much harder it got as days progressed. Like did they stop watering it? It just got way faster out there, so it was like you tap it and it just. <laughs> it just goes And there was one point Where like the The Bermuda The tall Bermuda They had was like Way You mean way, the fescue Yeah it was super thick Dog super That's thick fescue super Shout thick. out to my brother George I think he's gonna plant Fescue all over his house You know nice. that bro If they mention the fescue One more time Dog turning the TV <laughs> off It's like every other shot It's like oh Let's just hope he avoided The fescue on this one Boom Rory's ball Deep in there Barely could find it Yeah Yeah it was It was a tough Tough course and even still, guys dominated it. Guys dominated it. To go it. double digits in a U.S. Open is impressive. It's impressive, bro. And a lot of guys shot around the 70s. Scotty shot a 70 that, that Sunday. Um, Cam shot a 67. Tommy with the 63. Um, Min Woo Lee. Yep. One of the guys that we talked about that should have been on your... FanDuel. FanDuel. Mm. Uh, shot a 67 out there. Balled out. Even John, man, shot a 65. Yeah, Brooks Kepka, I think, had a pretty good Sunday round. I think he might have mm-hmm. gone like a couple under. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was your main pick, right? He was one of my main picks. Here's, a, here's an interesting storyline. Through three majors so far this year, right? Mm-hmm. There's 12 players that have made all three cuts. Wow. Right. That's elite. Those are elite players, right? Of those 12, only half of them are under par. Damn. Wow. The number one and two, which are the only two guys really that I remember right now off the top of my head, which is this was impressive at 18 under collectively through the three majors. Scotty Scheffler and Brooks, Brooks. Kepka. Which is crazy. Cam Smith was also up there. Victor Hovland was the one right after them. I think he's like a, a eight under or nice. something like that. Now he plays under. big. In, he plays big in those games. Yep. Uh, he, he didn't Sneaky have the best weekend. always. Didn't have the best weekend this weekend, I don't nah. think. Nah. Um, but he's been great in the other majors and stuff, dude. That's that's impressive. So it just begs the question. It's like, all right, so you got John Rahm winning the Masters. You got Brooks Kepka who just won the PGA, PGA Championship, and now you add to that Wyndham Clark wild card. But you got Wyndham in. It there. happens. 
who do you got for the open? You know, at um, Royal. No, it's not Royal Port Rush at Liverpool this year. Yeah, they're playing at, it's Royal, at Liverpool. Royal Liverpool. Um, you know, next month in July when they play, it's like Correct. is it Cam Smith to repeat out? You know, in in you know in Europe. Or is it an American to win it this year? You know, I, I don't know. Well, look, we kind of talked about how there should be some type of world's list, right? Not a PGA number one, not a live number one, like a world number one. Right? Yeah, technically, you have the world golf ranking, but there's, you know, it's questionable. It's so questionable. I, it should be based on how those two things, leagues, quote unquote, are performing. And then you put the top 10, top 20 averages or whatever. And that's how you kind of figure out the betting more or less of how it would work for these opens or these majors. Because if you look at the top three in the world right now, regardless if you play PGA or live, Brooks is up there, right? Scotty is up there. Top what? Top three? I mean, it's tough, dog. I don't want to put number one because that's even even harder, but top three? Brooks deserves that. So you have Brooks, Scotty, Scotty, and Rom are in your top three. I don't know about Rom, dog. Oh, Rom's in your top three? The current Masters winner? Current Masters champ? Uh, 24-year-old phenom? 25-year-old phenom? But, Joel, since then, we've seen a step back. John Rom. We've seen a step back from him. Dude, it's John Rahm. It's I understand. Not, this was a I couple understand. Months ago I understand. Won. I understand that. Guy has two major championships already. I understand already. that. I understand that. Oh, but he's 28. Like, but, but you don't think Rory deserves a top three spot? You can make a case for him. Rory hasn't won a major. True. But not even in the outside, last nine years. Rom has two more majors than him in the last nine years. Yes, but Scotty has who's shown up more. Scotty has more uh, this guy, well, he has a masters. Scotty's in the top three, dog. He's so just, is he's Brooks. Elite. That third spot is is, is about, up for grabs. What about Camp Smith? He don't throw Camp Smith saying? in there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That's a dude who deserves to be up there because he's a guy who deserves to be in those rankings. You know, what about the, nah, I won't say him. Hell no, I won't say him. You can kind of make a case for Victor this year. I'll tell you, I mean, right now the ranking says Scotty's at one, John Rahm two, Rory three, Cantlay four. Yeah. Hovland five. But those are just like based off mostly points. Shoffley, yeah, but these are based off of something, Doug. I get it. Shoffley uh, is six, Cam Smith seven. Matt Fitzpatrick, eight, Homa, Homa and nine, Steve. and Spieth is 10. So yeah. look, Brooks, who's making our top two, isn't even in the top 10. Yeah, but then you have a guy like uh, Wills Alatoris, who's at 11, and Wills Alatoris is out for the whole season. You get me? So that's why I'm kind of thinking Brooks, it's... Brooks is it's, at, Brooks that's why at 11. I, that's why I think it's a little bit flawed, because it's, it may be not giving enough credit to those majors. Yeah, I bump, Or maybe I bump not enough credit to top 10 finishes. I bump Brooks all the way up above Xander Shoffley, Victor Hoffman, and Patrick Cantlay. So yeah, now we're talking right. about the, the, the top three being a discussion of Scotty, Brooks, John, Rory, and Cam. Yeah, Cam. Yeah, bro. I give respect to Cam, bro, because right? that guy plays. Bro, he shows that guy, up. That guy's up there. He shows up. He just, He's not he a guy just who's, hasn't done who's enough in the, more, in the more recent, you know, past right now. I hear like, you. So that, that's the thing. But at least it would give but definitely us, those four guys. Yeah, those Sheffer, four to five Rahm, guys. McElroy and, and Kepka. Right, right now that's that's pick your pick your three. But more often, Brooks and Scotty are going to make somebody's top three. 
The third one is always. I think Brooks might be the man left out. Really? I think so. Bro, that guy has. I'll put him over Rory. He wasn't great this weekend. I'll put him over Rory. I'll take Rory. If I had to sacrifice one of the three, I'll take Rory out. Yeah, for sure. Because even, look, he won the PGA. And even in this tournament, he did. He had like an okay tournament. But he's still finishing he's the top 20. Stuck around for the weekend and still made a top 20. You know what I mean? And, and shot well. Made some money. Got some points. This is a dude who, who, who competes competes every single time. Again, that's why I say showing up. Yeah. Showing up to me means Rory like competes too. you're in that top 10 consistently. You're in it on Sunday. You're climbing up the leaderboard. You're always in it. Yeah. That's, that's game time to me. That's fourth quarter. That's you showing up. For me, as far as golf goes, because yeah. it's different to different how you. Could no, and the big thing too, that. like with Brooks, after he won those four, it was, he took a little hiatus. You know, he got yeah. hurt. Yeah, you know, then the whole live thing, and it was like, ah, oh, damn, where was you know? You saw the Netflix full swing episode. You're like, yo, is Brooks ever gonna be the same like that he was? Boom, wins another major, another PGA Championship. It's like Brooks is balling. All right, Brooks still got it. Balling. Rory competes week in and week out, but hasn't put together the major win. You know, he gets wins on the PGA. He can close out on the PGA. Never closes windows, the deal. But it's the, 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 <laughs> it's the major chat. Bro, you're talking about a guy that, again, I go back to the stat line because this was thrown around a lot in the coverage. Four major championships in his first 25 major starts. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's a really good stat line. And to go nine years after that, I mean, that's 36 starts or more, and he hasn't won a single one. It's like, damn, this guy was on pace to fucking break records and... Be one of the greatest he stalled, ever. He stalled out, you know. So it's it's rough, man. And he he just came up short again. Um, but who knows, man? Maybe maybe he's due for you know maybe maybe the open is really where maybe Rory's the favorite. Maybe you got to put your eggs in that basket I for mean, the open. At a course that he's probably played at hundreds of times in a link style element that he probably grew up in. You know what I mean? So he'll probably be out there and be comfortable. Definitely, I wouldn't mind picking him as a dark horse That's when a, he comes up. No, I can't. He won't be a dark horse. He'll be favorite. Yeah, he'll probably be my favorite, which is cool. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll be my favorite. Why yeah. not? Um, yeah, more golf to look forward to, bro. We mentioned the Open, but that's in July, and then next tournament that's going to be on TV for my golf heads is going to be the Rocket Mortgage Classic up in Detroit. Eight miles, son. Yo, nobody's <laughs> going to tune into that. Major hangover. I'll find you uh, for the next major, folks. We're closing out the year with a strong sports with so-so. Miami Golf Bros FanDuel collab. Yes, sir. We were, uh, we just, it just takes one little text message to make it happen. We're hammering out the details, but it's going to be dope. Those, it's going to be dope. Those, uh, those details will come. Yes. Uh, before we wrap up, dog, we got to talk about the heat. They've been in Rumorville for a little bit now, dog. And obviously we knew that there was going to be upgrades to this team. We knew that we needed more scoring, more consistent scoring on this team. And that was one of our major weaknesses, mm-hmm. us being the last ranked team in offense this year. So we knew that was going to happen. So I kind of, you and I both figured that the Heat were going to be in a lot of discussions. One of the names that the Heat were linked with was Bradley Beal. Brad Beal. And we mentioned that he's one of the few guys in the NBA or the only guy in the NBA right now that had a no trade clause, which he waived in order to get dealt to Phoenix. Um, wow. Phoenix gave up, in my opinion, nothing to get him or Washington, excuse right? Washington really gave up nothing to get him. Uh, Phoenix, they gave up. No, Chris no, no. Paul. What do you mean Washington? You're talking about. No, I'm, I'm at Phoenix. The Phoenix. Suns didn't give up much. Yeah. They gave up Chris Paul, Landry Shamit. 
Multiple uh, second rounders? A couple of second round. No first round in there, which is kind of like, damn. Weird. You didn't get a first rounder for Brad Beal. Weird. But you get multiple second rounders, which I guess that counts for something. And Chris Paul is probably going to get moved. He's probably not going to end up in the Warriors' jersey is the how I, I understand it. I think they're going to waive him. And the word on the street is that he's going to end up signing with the Clippers. That, that's the oh. move. Gotcha. Right, that he's going to get bought out and that he wants to go back to the Clippers. But then now that means that Beal joins DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, and Burke. Devin Booker. Burke. Burke. And that's pretty much all they have. That's it. One more player. I'm forgetting who. Yeah, I can't um, remember who the other one is right now on top of my head. Cam. Cam Johnson. Okay. They still have him um, on his rookie deal, I believe. I don't think he's signed the extension. But, yet. I mean, Beal goes over there and it's like... Yeah, we want more. How sad are you about that? Dude? I'm not I mean, at we, all, right? We, you know, we we can talk about that, man, because I'm not that upset that Bill went that way. Because the way I look at it is like, all right, Bill is a prolific scorer and all, but what did he do for the Wizards during his tenure there? Really, you know what I mean? Like, did he really like make a big, big difference for that franchise? I mean, I know, granted, without Bill, they would be in a whole different situation, way worse situation, but. Was he that franchise-changing player? I mean, to me, no, because his pick to go to Phoenix is the is the 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 easy out. Yeah, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna go team up with Durant and Booker. And and I just think that for for the amount of money that that guy's getting paid, dog, fifty seven million dollars. It's a lot of bread. It's a lot of bread for a guy who hasn't necessarily always been available. And and if you're gonna get paid like that, you need to be, uh, in my opinion. In my opinion, you got to be a top five player. And Bradley Beer is not a top five player in anybody's nah, list. Nope. So why make that trade for a guy who obviously is going to meet our, meet our offensive needs, but we're just downgrading superbly on, on, on defense. And we saw how we got killed with the guards that we have right now. So we need somebody at least somewhat decent on defense. Not saying that Bradley Beal is like trash at defense, but right. I, I know, that's not I know his strong mean, suit. You know what I mean? You you would prefer a stronger two-way player. I would. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And Somebody, you know, that knows how to tell time. Important time. Uh, I guess telling time is important. Specific time. Specific time. My whole thing is like, if, if, you, if you're shooting for the best fit, the player who makes the most sense, who makes the most sense monetar- monetarily, financially, uh, who makes the most sense as a fit, who makes the most sense as a culture, who's going to come in here and work hard, familiar, not going to rock the boat. All of those things matter. The only person that you look at to check all of that across the board is Dame time. Damien Lillard. And I get it. It would be tough to kind of formulate the trade because he hasn't necessarily said, hey, I want to come to Miami, but where there's smoke, there's fire. He mentioned wanting to come to Miami if he had to get traded somewhere that he would go to us, depending on whether or not we won the championship. We ended up losing. He's close to Bam. He gets along very well with Jimmy. A lot of things go into that, but when you look at, at a player and all these guys that are out there, Kyrie, Beal, um, you name it, Chris Paul, like all of these guys, the one who makes the most sense is is Dane, dog. He's the he's the one that Pat has to look at and say, yeah, we have to go get this guy right now. Now it, it only it's gonna be tough because the draft is this week, starting Thursday the twenty second, so we'll know. Uh, how things are starting to shake out. Portland owns the third pick in the draft this year. It's going to be important what they do for that pick. Uh, do they keep it? Do they draft somebody? Do they trade the pick? What do they get back? 
So depending on how that shakes out, we probably see a little bit more movement with Damian Litter joining the Heat. But from all intents and purposes, everything I've went on, read on Twitter and heard today was Bradley Beal, yeah, the Heat were kind of interested in it, but it wasn't the number one priority. And I kind of felt like that's what helped sway over there because we obviously could have given them much more in terms of assets than what they got for Beal. But fuck it. I didn't want that guy here anyways. So I'm kind of happy that we didn't give up anything to get this guy because I would have felt like he would have brought a lot more uncertainty than certainty. Yeah, he has that ability ability to score, but how consistent can he be with it? When you look at a guy who has playoff experience, shit, uh, hitting big shots, um, tough playoff experience in the West Coast, a dude who knows how to carry franchises, a guy who can get his teammates involved and make them better. That's Damian Lillard, dog. And there's a reason why he's one of the best guards in the NBA. So he probably been, and he's been doing it. And he's been doing it. And not having any success with Portland. Right. And I appreciate the loyalty, dog. Yeah. You're the man for that. But papa, she, she's home. no good for you, bro. Come home. Come chill she's down no, here in Miami. She's no good for you, bro. Get some winning heat culture. We're going to oh. show you a good time, bro. Come to Miami. We're going to show you a good time. <laughs> We're going to show you what championships are like. You're going to enjoy it. You're not going to regret it, Dame. No, I think he he knows that he would love to be here, bro. He knows that he would love to be here because say what you want about the Heat, but this is a team that's fighting for championships year in, year out. Yep. Literally. This is our second finals appearance in what? In three, four years? How many franchises can you even say that, dog? Besides a handful. Right. And they already probably have guys that they can't get rid of as far as salary is concerned. He have room to get into the luxury tax and bring a guy like Bill in and maybe take on a contract or, or two. Let's see. I, I have good faith in the Heat and how they operate. I know that Jimmy Butler's working that end as well. I'm sure Bam is blowing them up as well, saying, hey, what's up, bro? When are we going to make this trade happen? How can we get this rolling? Uh, but I, I really feel confident in the Heat's ability to go make the Dane trade without killing us as much as it would have probably would have cost us with with getting Beal. I think that there's a deal to be had with Dame. We saw what Beal went for. Now that kind of sets the floor for everybody else. He can go a little bit above that floor, maybe a little bit more than that. But we know what the stand is going to be in order to get a guy like Damien, which probably makes it easier for Pat to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking for them to make that move. Let's see how it works towards the end of the week. I said the draft is coming up on Thursday. Yep. So let's see if it happens that day or maybe the day after, depending on what Portland decides to do. We got good collateral too, man, as far as facil- facilitating a trade with good pieces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if Dame doesn't happen, I'm looking at a list here of other free agents at the end of the season or whatnot. Uh, I hope this is right. James Harden? Nah, I, I think up. he's going back to Houston. Uh, Kyrie Irving? I wouldn't want that guy either, dog. Chris Stapps, Porzingis. He'd be packaged. He would have been packaged in that deal in Washington, which is what they originally had thought was going to happen. Beal and Porzingis for a Heat player or maybe a pick or so. But it didn't seem to work that way. I don't know if it's because maybe Beal didn't want to come here, which is fine. He knew that he would have been interesting and would have liked it, but maybe he didn't want to come here. And at the end of the day... He didn't work that hard. Maybe he doesn't want to work that hard. So I'd rather not have that guy. Correct. Because about, then it just causes uh, more disappointment. What about a guy like Fred Van Vliet? 
Uh, maybe Federico. as a maybe as a last ditch effort. Mm. Maybe depending on what the money's looking like. He's a hard nosed defender who gives a lot of effort on that end. He does. He says some shots too. But let's see. I I know that Dame is the goal, dog. Dame is the only one that that, got, that pass should be aiming. I got two more for you. Who? Chris Middleton. No, pass. you wouldn't like a Chris Middleton on the pass. Heat. Pass. What about Middleton? Don't you like? He's a shooter. He's a I just good, think he's a that good he, team locker room guy. He plays the same position as Jimmy, dog. That's a that's a next to me. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right, last one, and this one's an interesting one. I be, I, I heard about today. Go ahead, Draymond Green. Oof, him opting out. I think that he he's doing that as a tactic to resign with Golden State for more money, maybe slightly more money, but more in front in terms of years. Sure. Uh, he'd make an impact here. How big of an impact? I don't know. But he definitely make an impact here. I, I Kevin do Love want, made an impact for us, bro. For sure. I think a Draymond I would welcome a Draymond Green. I don't at know. At what cost? At what cost is the question? Because I'd rather re-sign Love. I'd be like, Papa, let's try this full season. You know, let's try this full season. Get you more in shape here. Draymond's going to be looking for big bucks. He's going to be looking for the money. That's and rightly so. Go get it. And go get it. Yeah, I, I'd rather see the Heat re-sign Heisman. And, and, and use Heisman. Now, now let's right? see if... if, if if the if Jokic Jokic is not moved, I want to see that kid play, dog. I want to see if he can be NBA ready within a year, and we definitely have space on the floor for that guy and that type of body. Let's see what happens. He's put on weight, put on muscle, still agile, can hit threes. Let's see if he can batter it out with with Yurts for that that bench spot. That'd be nice, right? And see if he can earn his way onto the to the team that way. But I just think that the Heat know they have to address two things, size and scoring. Dame takes care of scoring. Let's see what they do about getting some size in here. Because there are guys who can be had for the right price. Guys who are veterans looking to jump on a championship contending team can start. You put a big guy against like that against Bam. You know, how much work how much better would that those Zeller minutes be in if it's an actual big man who can do something on both ends of the court? Not necessarily a lot, but just be able to do both. Yeah. And those Zeller minutes were rough yeah. in the playoffs. So those are two areas that I think the Heat are looking to improve. Dame thing is probably gonna happen within the end of the week. Let's see. Damn. Yeah, like let's see. Bro. I like that timeline. Let's At see. least we know. At least we know what you know what to expect. You know, whether he's in or he's out. Yeah, and definitely you know what's going to happen when it does happen. Your boy Soso and Jawar are going to have to bring you this news, Lizai, from wherever we're at, though, because we won't be missing out on that. That's so, what we're bro. If we get Dame, that would be wild. But you know where it's going to be, right? Where at? On the YouTube channel. Guess what? What's up? They got to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell one more friend. Tell everybody they know. To tell one more person after that, that this podcast is always going to be on YouTube channel, Sports with Soso. That's where we're going to be dropping every single episode. We got subscribe, a lot of baby. stuff there coming off. So you're going to have to subscribe and hit the notification yeah, so that way know, you know. We know you got burner accounts, burner YouTube accounts. Just yeah. subscribe from there too. And hit the like button. Yeah, from there too. And hit the notification from there too. Yeah, just use everybody's phone in your that's, house. So that's it. Make it happen. And until next time, y'all. Peace. peace.